0: Welcome to the 298th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a slot settle across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
1: I better be getting some big yardage out of these slot settles here. We've been running them all game and I haven't gotten one, but I guess here we are. So. Well, you are not
0: trying to get big yardage, you're just trying to move the change, coach. You're just trying to move the chains.
1: Hey, that's big yardage where I'm from.
0: Okay. I, I don't know what part parts you, you're from, but I don't, I don't know. Where
1: Just I get... am right now, that's big yardage, moving okay. to change.
0: Well, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who knows all five countries that border the Caspian Sea. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook.
2: Very underrated sea, the Caspian. Very I mean, how can it be I, underrated? Uh...
0: It's the biggest inland water, uh, <laughs> body of water in the world
2: people just disrespect it but i am i am trying to will a uh, another co- corporate sponsor for the show i am repping iowa city but in a different way Hamburg in number 2 iowa city landmark coach we got to get you to iowa city one of these days yeah, i need to, i need to see el asico in person yeah for, for, yeah for peak for peak Iowaness you need to come and so how, how about
1: this i'm going to put a, I'm going to put a little pressure on the university of iowa i will not show up iowa city until the Ferentz family is sacked.
0: Oh, <laughs> wow. So coach, basically you've bought yourself uh, at least 30 years until you 15, have to go yeah. to the state of Iowa.
1: <laughs> I bought myself 90 years. i oh, yeah. my Hux uh, Hux child. will oh. be able to come see
2: El Asico. Hey, you know what? It, it, one of the things I love about this weekend is the uh, unranked battle there at the uh, Texas state fair. But I have always wished like deep down, I'm, I'm always like, man. Why can't the Iowa State Fair be a few weeks later and play El Asico in Des Moines, part of the State Fair? That would be incredible. But but is, uh, the,
0: is there a State... stadium big enough in Des Moines? Like how big is right this now? Is on, yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's a horse track at the uh, at the State Fair. They Does, would need they would need to make some improvements to say the least.
0: So you're telling so me I mean, where Stadium. I was gonna say uh Drake where they hold Drake relays is not gonna hold uh El Asico? No? no Okay, that's <laughs> too bad. Okay, well if you're gambling on the Red River rivalry, uh El the Asico what? or the Red River Rivalry, <laughs> I have the, well, the Red River Rivalry. I Just think a third, it's I a Red th-
2: River shootout. <laughs> Yeah, I think oh the Red River shootout. Sorry, sorry. It, yeah. sh-
0: should you choose, should you choose, <laughs> to spin your pistols, wave them in the air, and <laughs> wager on the Red River rivalry? The number one place mm-hmm. to do that is BetOnline.ag. Uh, with football in full swing, BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends, as well as live betting free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. BetOnline continues to be your number one sports for all sports wagering info, featuring live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways all season long, and more. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Most importantly, college football. Head on over to betonline.ag today to join and receive not your 50, it's 100% welcome bonus. That's right. We're going to double your money with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive those rewards. Bet online where the game starts.
1: So, Matt, I had to call it Audible in the middle of our show. We we were recording, and I still had the old script, and Alex hadn't sent the sent the new script over. And by halfway through the show, I'll get the email. So, I, I called it an Audible and, and uh, updated the promo code. So... Uh, I guess it's a good opportunity to say catch up on uh, this week's episode of Believe in Georgia Dogs. So there you go.
0: All right. Uh, well, you know we we are nothing if not a, a you know shameless self promotion is not beneath us, shall we say? Okay. Um, before we get into the games this week, gentlemen, um, something happened at, in Madison, Wisconsin that I got to say I was a little bit surprised at. So, case um, you have closed the. Okay, well, first of all, Bernie winning a cheese eating contest would not be a surprise at all. That would be he'd be the chalk. What did you say, Josh?
2: I said they closed State Street Broths.
0: That would no, no hell would have to freeze over before Broths closes. No, they fired a football coach in season after he had a career seventy two percent winning percentage had been had been had won two years two out of his three New Year's six games, and had been extraordinarily popular with the players. Josh, is this a reactionary move by the administration in the wake of getting beat down by an Illinois team that had just been solely focusing on the Badgers for three weeks, or is this something else?
2: I, I think it's something else. The The program just has not recovered since they broke the Duke's Mayo bowl trophy. And uh, it's been a spiral since, <laughs> Uh, No, in in all honesty, um, just diminishing returns. Um, The product has been stale. The offense has really struggled. Um, The offensive line play this year is dreadful compared to what we're used to uh, from Wisconsin football. Uh, In case you haven't seen the famous stat yet against Illinois, they mustered two rushing yards. And yes, uh, sacks played a part of that. Uh, but uh, the the 13-year-old wonderkin <laughs> Braylon Allen didn't get much going on the day either the, the the fact is everyone knew Jimmy Leonard was the coach in waiting
0: mm-hmm. and that's correct
2: with so many jobs opening up it was going to get really hard to keep them and w- what i think is based on Paul Chris buyout getting reduced substantially, almost in half.
0: Yeah, it went from well, yeah, it went from around eighteen million to eleven million dollars.
2: Yeah, I'm wondering if the meeting went something like this: of Hey, Paul, you want to retire at the end of the year, and we immediately bring Jimmy Leonard on. And I'm wondering if Paul said, "Hey, this year's kind of a throwaway at this point. You want to just let Jimmy." finish it up. And I think maybe they, they worked something out. Um, If the bio hadn't been very,
0: very glass half full way to think about it. Yeah.
2: Well, here's the thing I was earlier in the week, I was thinking if it was a a Gary Patterson situation where they told him to retire at the end of the year and he says F off and then they fire him. Why would Paul Chris be fine with restructuring? his buyout. That's true. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I think, you know, I think Paul Crist is probably a little burned out. Um, Paul Crist. I can does tell you the, like the offensive
0: time... play calling yeah. is burned out because it yeah. hasn't changed uh, in four seasons. I,
2: I don't get the feeling that Paul Crist loves the whole NIL transfer portal, new age no. football, um, the recruiting budget that, Um, Wisconsin is operating with is the least amount of all public universities. That means like the university of Connecticut was spending more on recruiting. And that's not because Wisconsin's not opening the purse strings. It's because Paul Chris is literally not using any of that budget because he's done with recruiting. We, We see this happen towards the end of coaches runs where they still love the practice. They still love the game day, but the, Off the field stuff goes first, and they're just done. And, you know, Paul Chris has had an incredible career uh, as offensive coordinator, uh, a couple good years at Pitt, and a really, really impressive run at Wisconsin. Um, But the time was rapidly approaching, and I really think, you know, I I think he pulled a Bo Ryan, which is uh, my replacement's already here. I'm going to transition and do what's best for the university. He obviously loves Wisconsin. And if you saw any pictures or video of the AD doing the meeting, he did not look like a pleased AD where he's just like, oh, I just fired the worst coach ever. Like he looked like a guy that just shaved years off of his life.
0: Yeah. And so what coach, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about this is it seems from everything From all of my sources, this is actually one of the few places, one of the few places in the world that I actually can say that I actually have sources. My sources are telling me. My sources (laughs) are
1: are telling me this. No,
0: that the administration is doing this and is moving heaven and earth for Jimmy Leonard to succeed. The entire purpose around this is to make Jimmy Leonard succeed, to keep this recruiting class together because other schools who have fired coaches have already been trying to poach him. And if he's going to be the coach of the future, the future is now, and they ripped off the Band-Aid. And so, Coach, my question to you is, A, from a recruiting perspective, this is probably about as, I mean, I don't want to say as smooth a transition as possible, but better to do it now, I suppose, than to do it on Black, Black Friday or Black Monday or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, this is the mid-season version of what happened to Mark Rick at Georgia. And uh, this is the, the prodigal son, successful coordinator. 2.0. <laughs> 2.0 returns home to, <laughs> to take Chris over the and lead them.
2: Original. Yeah.
1: So this is this is, this is is y'all's version of Kirby Smart, honestly. Um, and, it, you know, if Georgia hadn't made a move with Mark Rick, Kirby Smart would be the head coach at South Carolina right now. Um, but he's not, and I, I think Wisconsin did this knowing that hey, we need to we need to do everything in our power to keep Jimmy Leonard here. So we're going to set him up, set him up, set him up, and we know he's going to spend the recruiting m- budget. We know he's a great recruiter. We know he's a great defensive coach. Now we're going to see what he's like as a head coach. And the, what is one of the first viral Twitter videos that comes out of of, of, of Jimmy Leonard? It's him jamming in the the whatever student union gym, whatever he 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 does some dunk, and
0: that's from when he was that was that's from when he was a walk on as like a freshman or sophomore,
1: like that kind of stuff now becomes viral with Jimmy Litter. Like, hey, this this guy's a dude, and and now the whole world is going to know. Every little minor detail of his resume, his time with in the NFL with coaches like Rex Ryan, John Harbaugh, uh, his time under you know under Paul Christen at Wisconsin, and his coaching journey, and you're going to hear all about it. Um, but I, I, you know, honestly, it was the right move, and, and I hate that it happened to Paul Christ. and he he was he was such an integral part of the Wisconsin program. But I can see it, you can see
2: it. He he's burnout. And hopefully, it's re- hopefully Jimmy Leonard's resume though is is better than uh, George O'Leary's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit cleaner. Uh, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's actually uh, questioning anything on on Jimmy's resume.
1: Wait, Jimmy's in the NFL Hall of Fame? What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, Jimmy graduated with a PhD in three years
1: hmm. from home. from a fictional university. <laughs>
0: On Long Island. So he was oh, from Trump University, po- you mean?
1: <laughs> <He was an laughs> honor graduate from Trump University. He was commuting from Trump University to Wisconsin to play. That's what it was. If so, Trump University um, had a football team. What would their mascot
0: be? Oh, um, oh, the ear. The golden waves. <laughs> the
1: golden waves.
0: Golden waves is actually so perfect. It's so perfect.
1: That's perfect. That's absolutely fantastic. That's uh, we're going to launch a campaign. It's going to be the greatest campaign. I, they're, know, honestly they're, speaking,
2: their jersey colors are, are <laughs> orange and we're gold.
1: Orange. Our primary colors orange. <laughs> we're two tone orange. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we don't wear alternate blacks. We wear alternate whites. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one got you, oh
0: that's a good one oh. that's a good one okay and well with that um we're gonna move on to everything else that happened last week uh outside of okay. Brett bielema uh <laughs> kicking the piss out of Wisconsin so uh Josh I want to start though on Friday yeah. night with you because i I stayed up for this one and I'm I glad saw the I finish.
1: Did. I was able to see the finish. We were coming back from Tullahoma. I'm glad I, I'm glad I tuned in because I thought the game was over, but I saw the finish. I mean,
0: Washington tried My to God. make a rally, but um they were just you it was too strong in the first half. Uh you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson another huge huge game uh from him. You know, what impressed you more, though his uh, his arm his legs because they were both outstanding?
2: Yeah, and you know, his rushing totals were nice, but he obviously uses his legs so much to set up the passing that it, it's an intriguing question you ask, Matt. Uh, for me personally, uh, using your feet to help set up your pass still requires you to have awesome arm talent and read the defense really well. Uh, if you didn't catch it, his stats against Washington 24 of 32, 315, 9.5 yards per average, three touchdown zero picks. Um, if you're going to pass that efficiently in a chip Kelly offense, combine it with what they got from Zach Charbonnet uh, UCLA is a pretty dang tough nut to crack uh, when they're playing that well. And speaking of Charbonnet uh, Matt, you've watched the Bruins way more than I have for my money. This was clearly his best game of the season.
0: Oh, if yeah, far and away, far and away. And they had the read option working, and it was and, and once they're able to do that and go no huddle, just Washington was on the back foot for the first time all season, uh, and because you saw when they were against Michigan State, Michigan State's offense couldn't get anything going, and I think one of the one of the things that Washington has is they have a very deep and talented defensive line Like to rotate them in a lot, but they get gas quick, and they. So, they're able to get a team like Michigan State that's going to huddle up, you know, going to bring guys in and out every play. It, it, it doesn't work when all of a sudden you're going against UCLA and that is going to just spread you out. And yeah, they might take 25, 30 seconds off the play clock, but they're not huddling, right? They're at the line of scrimmage, coach, and, and, and you know this. And they're okay, now I can analyze, find the mismatch, change the formation, call the audible and go. But and so against UCLA, they couldn't sort of regroup and bring those guys in. And I think you you really saw that even even quickly. And I I was really impressed with UCLA's defense in the first half and how they were able to turn uh, Penix over for the first time really all season. And it sets up a really interesting matchup later this week. uh, uh, This weekend, I should say, that we are going to be talking about a little bit later, uh, a little bit later on in this show. But, you know, I I just think that, Coach, you said you were able to catch the end of the game for you. What stood out to you there?
1: Well, what stood out to me was that it just seemed like, and and I was going to ask you guys about the start of the game, was UCLA's offensive line seemed to have complete command of the line of scrimmage. Uh, UCLA really, really used tempo to their advantage. They were able to manipulate, going fast and giving the appearance that they were going to go fast. They really did a good job in the four-minute drill uh, to end the game, and and just just the things that they did to uh, to disrupt Washington was, you know, was outstanding. I saw a little bit of the end of the first half on the bus uh, on the way home, uh, and then halftime came. We got to school, and then by the time I got home, it was the end of the game. But um, I mean, just, just up front, I think, was, was what surprised me because I thought Washington was better up front coming into this game, obviously not executing to that level.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I just think that especially in in the first half, USA was able to take advantage, and Jake Bobo looked like a future NFL wide receiver in this one. It was the only thing, other thing that like really, really stood out to me. J- Jake Bobo looked did, really good. Did they really want
1: Bobo good. to run the damn ball?
0: No, they wanted to pass the <laughs> damn ball <laughs> to Bobo. Because he was a mismatch and he was running clean roots and he looked really, really good. Um, let's head uh over to the marquee game of Saturday, at least in my mind. Uh Clemson, North Carolina State coach. Uh, we've now seen back-to-back really good games from DJ mm-hmm. Uyunglele. Uh Clemson wins this one. He didn't have quite as many, you know, big numbers as he did uh last week but he certainly looked in command and he, is he finally turning into the guy that we sort of expected him to be and we were sort of built as this is the guy that he is going to be
1: yeah i think you're starting to see that he's starting to become more consistent which is what we wanted from the jump uh clemson's coaches coaches staff starting to kind of figure out what they can do with them i think it took long enough honestly but um here we are and and I thought he did a. I thought he had another tremendous game. So if he has a third in a row, then th- this is who he is. So, and that's good for Clemson because you know a lot of teams. You know, this is probably true for about ninety nine percent of the teams, but Clemson is it's especially true for uh, for uh, their team energy and their team success is driven by the quarterback position. Some teams can get it elsewhere, but Clemson is even more so than than a lot of teams. Dependent on quarterback play to kind of drive where they're going, and DJ Ungulale definitely provided that spark all night long for uh, for them, and, and pretty much dismantled this NC State Wolfpack team, which is Matt, your, one of your favorites to go to the college football playoff.
0: Well, they were my choice to go to the playoff, but uh, <laughs> not not so much anymore, Josh. No.
2: No, and, and just building off what Coach said, I thought Herbie made a really good point during the telecast that we're seeing him run the ball way more than that he's becoming a willing runner. Um last year, whether it was play calling or, or hesitancy by DJ, he just was not running the ball much last year. And if he's willing to take off and, and lower that shoulder, lower that big frame, they uh, ain't that's scared just, of what's
1: behind uh, him. That's that's yeah, a that's another yeah. factor. Yeah. You got Cade right there. And if he gets hurt, they're fine.
2: Yeah. So that, you know, it's just another dimension that uh, the defenses have to respond to. And and NC state did a really good job of slowing down the runs, slowing down the pass, but there were some big rushing plays there by DJ, especially a few that he took to the end zone.
0: Yeah. It was, uh, you know, you saw the five-star talent in this one Mm back-to-back game now, games now. And, Maybe he gets on a roll, and we haven't seen, I know it's super early to talk Heisman talk, but we haven't seen anyone take a stranglehold of it yet. Uh, He's, you know, if if he gets... If he gets... (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, Lord. There you go. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Let's stick with the ACC coach, though. Uh, One of the other games that I wanted uh, to touch on was a a ranked matchup between Wake Forest and Florida State. And, you know, Coach, you are the, well, coaching expert around here. So if your three leading tacklers are all defensive backs, good thing, bad thing, indifferent thing, or is defense dependent? Because that did not work for Florida State.
1: Well, it it depends on the context of the game. if you have Sam Hartman and you're Wake Forest and you're slinging all over the ballpark. Your three leading tacklers are probably going to all be defensive backs. So the old adage of if your safety is your leading tackler, you're not playing good defense. Um, but it's a little misleading. And when you play against Wake Forest, it's probably going to happen a good bit. But, um, you know, the story of this game honestly was Sam Hartman. I mean, he had a f- another phenomenal outing and, and, you know, Wake Forest is proving that they're not just a fluke or a flash in the pan. And uh, Christian Turner is someone that's you know that's impressive as well. He had a he had a pretty nice game. Is and and you know, Florida State was was in it for most of the way, and then they just kind of kind of fell off trail off there at the end. But
2: yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I liked the adjustment that Clawson made um, against Clemson. He was playing the numbers when when Clemson. Uh, started to, uh, to bring in additional secondary reinforcements. Uh, he said, okay, the numbers say to run and they were doing the mesh running plays and it was just over mm-hmm. and over and over at the end of the fourth and into overtime and against Florida state, they basically went, Oh yeah, Sam, Sam Hartman's our best player. Why do we care about the numbers? Just let him ball out. And that's what they did. They, they, I think they played with a lot more confidence and they trusted Hartman. Now, it's a shame they, they couldn't do that against Clemson, but
1: uh, maybe that was aggressive a lesson mindset they in that game. to game. Yeah. Which was good.
0: Well, so. elsewhere in the ACC, someone that did not have an aggressive mindset was Pitt. Josh, is Pat Ooh. Narduzzi ever going <laughs> to stop losing done, dumb games this time to Georgia Tech? <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Tech. Ooh, Georgia good, good Tech. Good point. Which is yeah, which is yeah, like Colorado yeah. level bad.
1: Do you know how happy they were to see Jeff Collins leave? They beat Pit. Yeah, That's yeah. how happy they were. They, they beat Pit. They celebrated yeah. by beating Pit. Like how how about that? Yeah. As, if, if you're Jeff Collins watching this game, and you're like, and you're like, oh my god, I was so bad. <laughs> maybe that maybe I finally Maybe, maybe it was game. the
0: problem all along.
1: <laughs> oh god, <laughs> like the awareness of that just hitting you has to just be. It's got hurt, mind-numbing. Yeah, it's got to hurt.
2: Yeah, well, to, to <laughs> get back not. to the to question, question bit, probably not. Yeah. The, the uh, yeah, the Narduzzi special, but um, you know, I, I was looking at this game and, and going over some notes that I had and some reactions to it, and um, I, I'm noticing an alarming trend. And I, I know our pit friends are probably going to start screaming at us, being like, "This is what we told you," but. Um th- th- there's there's some real concerns developing with Slovis. Um y- you know, this isn't this is this is not uncommon, uh, where your team kind of goes as your quarterback goes. But in their two losses this season, he has performed just not up to any type of standard that that is good enough. He's sub 60% in both games. Um just not efficiently moving the ball, and the offense is getting way, way too bogged down and clunky um, in these losses. And so, Slovis really needs to to find his command more consistently that was our question with DJ when's he going to be consistent when's he going to be consistent uh sticking in the ACC sticking with the same position same question now has to go with Slovis when is he going to be consistent it's fine to put up these absurd numbers against Rhode Island but why is he not putting up similar numbers against Georgia Tech what are the issues because Rhode Island is better than Georgia Tech (laughs) yeah well I mean their defense was fine Uh, You know, the Tennessee game went to overtime and it was still only in the twenties. Their defense has been fine. I haven't seen any glaring things with their special teams and the offense seems okay. It's hard to, you know, lay it all on one kid's shoulders, but really he just, he's missing open players. He's missing open routes. He's missing reads uh, in these losses. And he, he's got to figure that out, and, and the coaching staff has got to work with him on, on tape and, and and get him performing because, uh, you know, God, it can snowball. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. all had those seasons with four quarterback play, and it just snowballs.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um, all good. right. Well, let's us uh, stick within the state of Georgia, and, Coach, talk about your dogs who – had a, a surprisingly close victory for the second straight week in a row. Is this something yeah. to start like being concerned about? Um, you know, uh, you know, wh- if we pl- how, like, if honestly, we play- yeah. What are we playing? <laughs> what game do you want to play? If,
1: if, if we, if we do it again <laughs> against Auburn, Okay, start ringing some bells. But I will say this: Jalen Carter getting injured raised some concerns that our defensive line depth isn't as good as we once thought. Um, Secondary, they gave us some things that um, that we weren't ready for, and uh, you know Luther Burden made some plays that Luther Burden's going to make because he's a five-star receiver. The the running game is was probably the biggest a uh, shocker that Missouri was able to run straight up the gut for very large chunks of 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 yardage and uh i heard uh who was it i heard it was just raving about chunk plays <laughs> It's my favorite buzzword you chunk chunk plays yeah me yeah i was listening to a replay of this um also concerning is Georgia not being able to run the inside zone um but as soon as Soon as, uh, as soon as Georgia went to the gap, more gap schemes in the second half, they were able to, to, to stabilize and rip off longer runs and able to open up things in the past game. Agent Zero, uh, other, otherwise known as Darnell Washington, who looks like an NBA power forward from 1994, Pat Riley's uh, New York Knicks, um, <laughs> made a few huge catches down the stretch, and we were able to finally push a couple across the goal line. Uh way too close for comfort. Uh one point a false start penalty away from going down twenty to three, which uh which would have been, I think, a very, very, very tough deficit to come back from in that scenario. Uh in in, in the in the uh type of game that Georgia was in. So is it time to ring the bells? Mm-hmm. we we're, we're inching closer, but not yet.
0: All right. Well, uh, well I, I,
2: uh, just real quick, just real quick with Missouri, you know they, they should have beaten Auburn. Totally, you know, botched that game. Um, played really well they against Georgia. Yeah, they, they played really well against Georgia. Looking at their next few games, though, at Florida, Florida's really struggling right now. Host Missouri, me, host Vanderbilt, um, and then travel to South Carolina. I mean, if they, I know that Florida game is going to be tough, but if they could go three and zero in those games, get a little momentum, I'm wondering if Dingowitz can save his job because they looked competent against
0: Georgia. Hold on, what did you just call him? Like, what did you just call him? Dinglewich?
2: Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it Dinkowitz?
0: <laughs> Drinkwitz? <laughs> nah, it's Dinkowitz. It's two syllables. <laughs> And the first one of them is what I do with beer, especially when I'm watching Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. Hey, man, we lost to some coach named Coach uh, Dwingleberry. (laughs) (laughs) What
2: is this, man? (laughs) I can see
1: some Florida fan saying that right now.
2: Hey, man. Well. (laughs) Hey, pal, pal, first time, long time, this is Coach Dinkwitz up there in Missouri.
0: (laughs) It's Missouri. First of all, it's pronounced Missouri. (laughs) Second of hey, all. is this
2: Coach
1: Dinkowitz up in Mazara a real dale? Or is he just an idiot? I'll hang up and listen.
0: But it wasn't just Dinkowitz, it was Dinkowitz, which just feels like Dinkowitz. even more demeaning. Not to Dinkwits, Dinkowitz. 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 Hey, hey, Some
2: Dinkowitz. So Dinkowitz
1: guy. Hey, exactly. Come on. That's what I'm saying.
2: Hey, it, if you want your name pronounced properly, pull off the upset. Whoa, oh, okay. <laughs> well, they'll get a chance this know. I don't, even know, how, I don't even know week. how to pronounce it. This- I don't even know how to pronounce his first name. It, he goes by Eli, but it's E L I A H. Ela? Eli, Ela Drinkworth. Aliyah. Mm-hmm. N- what is that name? Um, well, it, to me, to me it'll always be Ella Dinkowitz. An app, an Appalachian church town name.
1: <laughs> Elia Drinkowitz. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I, mean, he was only... I just want to. <laughs> yep. Never
1: mind. I
2: just want to become like Shaq on Inside the NBA and just mispronounce every name we do from this playoff.
0: Josh, I feel like that's. I feel like that, that, that's uh, a, a wee bit insensitive. But hey, who am I to judge? Um,
1: so if you're Shaq, I'll be Barkley.
0: I guess that makes me. <laughs> I guess that makes me Ernie Johnson, and I'm. I'm not against no, that. That makes you
2: Kenny the Jet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta get to the board. Okay, Um, now let's get, we'll try to get back on track uh, with, well, uh, Shaq had more teams than Josh ever did, but uh, Josh, (laughs) uh, your team, the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, their offense strikes again, and by that, I mean, they were completely ineffective moving the ball for a majority of the game, Uh, but yeah, somehow Spencer Petras left the game as the game's leading passer, it was just a bunch of garbage time (laughs) junk, like what, what, because this game was over pretty early just judging based on your texts on Saturday. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, okay, so let's let's talk about the team that won before we uh, launch into the issues. So Michigan watched the, the clinic. <laughs> yeah. So um you know, I, I got leaving this game, I got some concerns about Michigan. Um last week Maryland, well 2 weeks ago, Maryland um ran or not ran, but moved the ball really effectively against Michigan. They were not that far off from pulling off an upset. In fact, there was a highly questionable call that kind of ruined a Maryland drive. There was a very clear drop on an interception that no ref reviewed. They didn't buzz down and no Maryland staff Demanded Loxley call a timeout and, and challenge it, gave Michigan a free possession, and then this week Iowa's defense did really well against Michigan uh, until some fatigue set in, and then Quorum uh, um, uh, was able to get get some running lanes against them. The so you know a, a team that combines Maryland's offensive punch with Iowa's defensive punch. Uh, as of now is going to cause Michigan some issues. Uh, They've got some games down the line that certainly match that uh, Penn state maybe, uh, but for sure, Ohio state takes the best of Maryland and the best of Iowa and puts it on one team. So, you know, Michigan definitely, we, we knew there were going to be an unknown with that very easy non-conference slate, but um, Maryland and Iowa, two pretty unimpressive wins for Michigan. Uh, but to the, the issue at hand, the Iowa Hawkeyes, you're asking about that. Um, I mean, here's just one play snapshot of what Iowa's issues are on a fourth and two deep in Michigan territory. They need touchdowns, no field goals. They go for it. It's a two yard uh, to gain. They throw a pass play where the tight end runs about a two yard route and then Petrus throws it so poorly that it pulls the tight end back and it gains one yard. Uh, it was also negated by a pick play, but even if the play had worked, we wouldn't have gained it. And it was just going irate. It's like, you know your quarterback's not accurate enough to run a play like that. Have the tight end run five, six, seven yards down the frickin' field so if the pass is terrible... You're not pulling him back beyond the line to gain. Um, I am. I'm very adamant. Anyone who's listened to the show knows I seldom, if ever, blame refs. It has to be a very egregious ref ball situation. Um, Iowa's offense was pathetic. We did not deserve to win the game. However, our life was made way harder by absolutely brutal officiating um, there were a few drives that Iowa had that got called back we'd have a nice long gain like 18 yards and it would come back for a penalty that was not a penalty the most egregious was a clipping call um, and obviously a clipping is um, when you block essentially from behind uh, but also if you go low so you do a chop block and you hit someone's calves that's a clip Iowa had a textbook cut block hit him in the front of his shins. It was a textbook block. You would want to play this on, you know, coaches' high school team so that they could learn this blocking technique. And they called it's illegal it a 15 in Tennessee arc.
1: high school football. So no, we
2: were not playing it. Never but mind. I see man. what you're saying. So, but um, it, and you know, I'm not just being a homer on this. The entire Fox crew was commenting on how poorly it was officiated. they kept going to Dean Blandino, and he kept going, "Yeah, that's not a penalty. they got a blown call, it's a blown call." And the announcers kept going, like all these blown calls are against Iowa. Every time they have a positive play, it's getting po- called back. And then on top of it, uh, Michigan was in the red zone, <laughs> and the play clock ran to zeros, and it remained zero, and then it remained zero. And then it remained zero. And then finally the ref was like, okay, after about four seconds of it at zero, I guess we got to call a delay a game. And it's like, what is going on with these officials? Like, I get it. Michigan's the ranked team. The big 10 wants them to win. Big 10 wants them to make it to the Ohio state game undefeated. But when something is blatantly this awful, It's either incompetence refs or it's rigged. And I don't want my college football to be rigged. But this was just incompetent officiating. and um, Because obviously, why would you rig the Iowa-Michigan game? I know Vegas has a lot of pull, but why are you rigging that one?
0: All right. Well, with the limited amount of time that we have left here for uh, this past week, uh, Coach, quickly any thoughts? Ole Miss and Kentucky, surprisingly, low-scoring game.
1: Well, uh, surprisingly, that Ole Miss's defense is better than we thought. But you know, Kentucky has a good defense, and you know they, they both kind of were feeling each other out, and it was uh, you know like a heavyweight fight where it's just jab, 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 jab. Neither team could get much going. Couple turnovers, a little sloppy. Um, but uh, Ole Miss came out in the end ahead. And, uh, you know, they made a few more plays than Kentucky did. Yeah. And absolutely. it was murder ball, mall security.
0: <laughs> uh, elsewhere, mm-hmm. coach, over in the uh, over in the Big 12, uh, TCU uh, just sl- like absolutely throttled Oklahoma. It uh, was 55 yeah. 24, something I saw like that. Max Duggan. Uh, <laughs> Hello. Bigger surprise! a sunny-
2: you fear's purple. That's right.
0: Okay, so what's the bigger surprise that uh, a Sunny Ducks <laughs> team is five and zero oh and looking great, or that Oklahoma is tripping over themselves left and right?
1: Um, yes. <laughs> They're both surprises, man. It's like, what the heck? Oklahoma started the season so so well, and you know, back to back weeks they look completely incompetent and. And uh, TCU, we thought, okay, Sonny Dykes, they'll be, you know, they'll be okay. Uh, they'll be competitive and then, you know, get better each week. And, well, they certainly done that. They're 5 and 0 oh and just spanked Oklahoma um, at home. So um, I would say probably the more surprising is uh, TCU because of where they were and uh, who they hired and kind of where they are.
2: Yeah. But, just real quick for Oklahoma, you know, the Brent Venables defense, you don't learn it overnight. He's always succeeded at best when he's got upperclassmen, especially in the linebacker groupings. And um, this isn't the, the level the last two weeks have gone has been shocking. Uh, but having some bumps in the road was to be a little bit expected. I think it's just the severity of those bumps.
0: All right, Josh. Took uh, some
2: really bad bumps.
0: Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about uh, Oklahoma's rival, Oklahoma State. Uh, another impressive Last. win uh, over Baylor. Strange game here. A lot of big plays, special teams plays. Obviously, Oklahoma State's big uh, kickoff return for a touchdown to start the second half really sort of uh, really kicked them in, in into gear and sort of made them even serious. A huge game from Baylor wideout Monterey Baldwin. Also, a great name. Uh, Oklahoma State still wins by a relatively comfortable margin. I mean, how seriously should we be taking the Big 12 co leaders and they are co leaders with Kansas and TCU? All
2: right. Well, I know we got rid of the pop quiz section, but I've got some numbers for you. Does anyone know Oklahoma State's record in their last 20
0: games? Um, last year, they would have finished. What? Uh, I'll give
2: too long, too slow. 18 uh, and 2. <laughs> anyone know their, their record in their last eight games against ranked teams? Uh Six and two. Seven and one, right in between no. your two. So oh. finally, anyone know how many straight weeks have been in the top 15 of an AP Bowl? Uh,
0: 36. 22.
2: Both a little high, but 17. So which is one of the longest streaks in the country. So, yeah, good teams find ways to win even when things aren't going particularly well and a 22-point third quarter by Baylor certainly not something going well for Oklahoma State. I think a few years ago, we would be having a different conversation about, can you believe that embarrassing loss that Oklahoma State had? I think those days might be behind them. Uh and finally, we love special teams here on Illegal Motion. And being an Iowa fan, you know I love punters. Uh, shout out to uh, Okie State punter Tom Hutton, who's only called on five times in the game, but he put four of them inside the 20. That's why Baylor has a whole lot of yards and outgained Oklahoma State, but they did not outgain them on the scoreboard.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Josh, quickly, finally, Purdue yes. over Minnesota, uh, what the actual <sighs> belief happened.
2: Yes. Okay. So uh, Mohamed Ibrahim was a very late scratch for the Gophers. And I think what happened is uh, PJ Fleck kept it so secret. He didn't tell any of his fellow coaches about it because they had a really poor planning game plan in this one. Uh, Trey Potts only carried the ball nine times. Uh, They had 33 pass attempts, which is a little high. You want that kind of flipped. Um, Then they just had some bad luck. Minnesota, one of their interceptions, bounces off their receiver's hands in the end zone, a sure touchdown, and it just bounces up into the air, tip drill. Um, You know, Purdue was selling out to stop the run, and Minnesota just did not effectively adjust. I didn't see enough runs to the outside. Um, Tanner Morgan's athletic enough that they could have thrown in a few option wrinkles they didn't uh so I just think there was a late scratch not enough planning and, and this is a PJ Fleck loss uh he's got to own it um shout out to Purdue running back devin Maccabee the Jewish sensation he had a uh, phenomenal day and that's a historical joke you might have heard of the Maccabees uh, <laughs> but uh yeah that I think the story of this one is just uh PJ Fleck got a little little too cute by half and uh it it bit him
0: all right um so uh we need to move on to uh, we do yeah we we have to keep moving on to uh week six uh here coming up and uh we are gonna start not actually the 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 best slate of games but um we've got a great one between utah and ucla that i want to start with uh two teams that like to run the ball josh two excellent rush defenses I was surprised to see I was doing a little research. UCLA is sixth in the country in, in rushing defense. Um, I you know, and th- their defense hasn't been the best, but up front they're really good this year. Who do you think is going to be more effective at moving the ball on the ground?
2: So their quarterback numbers are almost identical. Their team rushing numbers are really similar. Um, they're kind of a mirror image of each other. Utah also plays some pretty good defense. Um, I know UCLA's rush defense is a little bit better. So I tried to to look at some of those higher analytical stats, try and crunch some numbers. So looking at efficiency, uh, UCLA is a little bit better on third down, 55% to 47%. Um, for points against, Utah's a little bit better, 14.4 to 20.8. Uh, yards allowed per game. Uh, Utah a little bit better, 278 to 318. Um, When you kind of crunch in some of the efficiency stuff, I think Utah is maybe still a tad better. But eye test-wise, it's hard to ignore the recency bias of how UCLA looked against Washington. Um, I'm with you, Matt. I think this is far and away the best game of the entire slate. Um, it's going to be a huge game for the PAC 12 South because, um, USC, I gotta be honest, did not look terribly impressive against Arizona state. So the second week in a row. Yeah. I think these two teams are firmly better than the men of Troy at this point. Um, and this is going to be an all important tiebreaker. Um, yeah, I, I I don't I honestly don't know where to go in this one. I, I tried to focus on the numbers. Uh, you guys know the names of the players so well, Matt. You watch UCLA every week. I do. I'm sure you've got some opinions on this one.
0: I mean, my opinion on this one, Coach, is that if UCLA's offense is able to control the ball like they were, and if they are able to, you know, it, it's literally almost the same game plan, except. You know, I you know I, I obviously um, uh, Utah's quarterback Cameron Rising is a, a, you know not quite the same threat as is with the arm that Penix is, but he's just yeah. as good. Must he's just as much of a threat, if not a little bit more, with his legs. Yeah, but I still I still think and that the that and, that the philosophy stays the same, and to also watch out for Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end, who outside of Brock Bowers been the best tight end in the country this year. So, well, there, um, there you go. Um, that, well, that, that, that's what I'm going Josh here and throw
1: some numbers at you. Do it. All right. The, the Utes and the Bruins first and second and total defense, rushing attempts, passing efficiency and completion percentage. Um, they're tied for, with Washington for most offensive touchdowns scored this season. All three teams with 26 apiece. And Utah and UCLA are each averaging more than 40 points per game. Uh, Utah comes into this contest with a 15 to four turnover margin um, and winners of the last five straight against UCLA. So uh, there's some things that are working for or against UCLA, depending on how you look at it. Um, But two of the top. Upper echelon teams in the conference right here in a lot of different categories. So you know these teams are well rounded. Uh right now we still don't really have an idea of what, what uh USC is. They're kind of trying to figure themselves out, but I, you know, this is this game right here is gonna kind of tell me who's gonna be the biggest contender in the South. Um with UCLA. And did they do away with divisions this year?
0: Yeah. They have no they okay. no longer have divisions. It's just yeah, they, okay. they did. But these are, but the, Yeah, right. yeah.
2: I mean, they they did away with the divisions, but in a way, they sort of still matter because Ske- obviously, schedule, if, like who
0: you're playing, it, it, it's scheduling it, purpose. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And and whoever wins this game has the tiebreaker for the Pac-12 title game once mm-hmm. it gets yeah. played. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of one of these it's almost
1: against USC unless. UCLA beats yeah. USC and these two teams yeah. rematch in the Big Twelve title game.
0: Pac-12 so, yeah. title game, yep. I yeah. big I mean, re- Yeah, if they, if they match <laughs> up <with> the pack <laughs> in the Big Twelve title game, I'd be well I, concerned or, or or yeah. Real just happening even faster than I anticipated.
2: Yeah. And uh, it's obviously, actually, you know they're all Big Twelve now. So yeah. there you obviously go. Oregon in the mix as well. So mm-hmm. I mean yeah, good so, okay. yeah, Well, we'll, we'll let, let's
0: keep moving. Uh Tennessee LSU is another ranked matchup somehow because coach, how on earth is LSU even ranked? I don't I don't get it. They are they do not look like a ranked team to me.
1: Well, they we're don't. family. Family. Well, if you watch the first half of the games, they're not. But if you've watched <laughs> them in the second half of these games, they actually look a lot better. So this this LSU team is weird, right? Because they it, it seems like it takes them a long time to figure out what you got. And, and and the defense is actually keeping them in every single ball game. So when you look at this matchup, you're thinking, first thought is, okay, Tennessee's gonna wipe the floor with them. this is this is no contest. but then again, Mississippi State wiped the floor with them but only came away with like 6 points in the first half. But if you watch that if you watch the first half of that game, Mississippi State dominated the first half but they just could not finish drives. So that's one thing that LSU has in their favor is that they've been able to bend and not break to keep teams out of the end zone. So they've done a lot of really really good things. I still don't really understand how they're ranked just quite yet. They need <laughs> that big victory to get them there, but I guess beating Mississippi State carries a lot of weight, I guess, I don't know. but uh, this this well, if, if LSU can pull this one off at at 11 a.m uh, kick in Baton Rouge, then uh, I'll be impressed.
2: This, this is a little bit of a throwback and, and this is a name that hasn't been heard in a long time, but LSU reminds me a little bit, of 20 years ago, some Jim Trestle-type Trestle ball, where how many times did Ohio State look really flat in the first half and you're like, oh, this just, is just not going to go Ohio State's way? And it's like, no, they're, they're just seeing what you're doing, and then they go in at half. And they crunch the numbers and, and and discuss stuff, and they come out with the necessary adjustments and then play night and day better in the second half. They look um,
1: dreadful the first uh, half against Auburn, come out
2: and dominate the second half. Like twenty minutes yeah, or so, something like that. Um, in a roundabout way, I may have just inadvertently complimented Brian Kelly's coaching acumen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ellis, yeah. I don't think LSU is at all a threat in the West and we're certainly not going that far. Um, no. But they certainly are a better team than they were under Coach O.
1: And they're a better the team title than year. they were in that first game yeah. against Florida State. They, yeah. They've drastically they've improved since then, too. Yeah,
2: Title so. year notwithstanding, obviously, for Coach O's uh, tenure.
0: Well, Coach, let's continue in the SEC with Arkansas and Mississippi State, which... To cool. me, you know, they come off of a relatively, I guess, big win against Texas a very flawed Texas a And M team, but a Texas a And M team nonetheless, which is at least supposed to have somewhat of a you Texas know, eight and four. Texas, Texas eight and four might be Texas <laughs> four and eight um, this year, but could be. Either way, uh, it felt like a big win for Mississippi State. This feels like a classic letdown game for the pirate and crew, and I, I weirdly expect Arkansas to win, even though I know Mississippi State is favored.
1: Yeah, here's the thing about Arkansas that I'm learning. Um, I've given their defense way too much credit. They're among the nation's worst in pass defense. Why and their are they run so defenses? Bad? I'm not real sure. Lack of pass rush. It
0: was is it corners rush? They can't, no can't cover. They
1: like. yeah, they blown coverages, big plays. They they just can't figured out in the path. There's wide open. You just watch them play. There's wide open receivers all over the place and they can't get any pressure on the passer and they're getting they're, and they're getting progressively worse at, uh, in the run game as well. They now they can't defend the run. Uh, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jalen Milrow uh, last week exposed that uh, aspect of their defense and KJ Jefferson thinks uh, he he was listening to too much. Uh, R. Kelly, I believe I can fly because he tried to launch from the <laughs> five yard line. I believe I can fly. Sorry, did you say the,
0: Jalen Milroe though? Because I thought I only saw Michael Vick on the field.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh, is that who that was? Oh, Appar- okay, yeah.
0: apparently it was 19 yeah. year old Michael Vick on the field.
1: Yeah, good <laughs> lord. Got a shot out of a cannon.
0: My goodness.
1: He was fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, to me, I the team the Arkansas trending kind of this way and Mississippi State's trending kind of that way. So I'm gonna stick with Mississippi State. I, I think they can their defense is playing much, much improved. They actually came out in the second half and kept it going, unlike what they did against LSU. Their offense is rolling. Um so we'll see.
0: All right, Josh. Uh heading over to the game of the week, TCU Kansas. Uh whoever thought that would be be coming, but here we are. Uh, which one of these teams is more likely to be for real come end of November, TC or Kansas?
2: Well, I'm just glad that College Game Day is in Lawrence. I was worried that College Game Day would be outside Yankee Stadium and have Aaron Judge be the guest picker, but uh, thankfully <laughs> ESPN did something right. Um, yeah, so, you know, looking at these two teams. And my cut away for this Aaron Judge uh, at bat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, look at these two teams. I want to be an optimist. I love watching teams rebuild or, uh, in Kansas's case, it's, it's been a total demolition and, uh, starting from scratch, seemingly the way Charlie Weiss, uh, tanked that program. But, uh, you know, for them, it starts with their outstanding quarterback, Jalen Daniels. He's got about 1,300 all purpose yards on the season. Uh, really, really accurate and effective with his arm right now, around 70% completion rate. Uh, for TCU, their success is stemming from a top 10 rushing attack. They run the ball really, really, really well. Uh, Kendra Miller. Has uh, almost 400 rushing yards here in the early going, 7.6 yard average. His backup also a 7.6 yard average and four scores. And then Max Duggan uh, showing Hello. showing his yeah, showing his wheels against Oklahoma. Uh, very very mobile quarterback. Uh, defensively, that was Kansas's biggest concern. Their offense took a nap against Iowa State. And yet, Kansas's defense uh, played really, really well. Um, I know they would have lost if Iowa State's kicker, uh, the freshman, feel bad for that guy. Uh, obviously, Kansas would have lost uh, if they had made any of those field goals overtime with one, a loss if they had made two. Um, but the defense performed pretty well for TCU. Their defense hasn't been called upon much this year because their offense hasn't had an off day like Kansas did last week. So. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm glass half full. I think these two teams are good. I don't think they're true contenders in the big 12 just yet, but Matt's question was, are they going to fade away in November? So I was looking at some upcoming games, uh, focusing on that upper echelon of teams there in the conference. TCU gets both Oklahoma state and Kansas state at home. So the two toughest teams in the conference have to come down to Amon G. Carter stadium, Kansas gets TCU at home obviously this week, uh, but they also have Oklahoma state at home and in what's become kind of their big rivalry game, they keep knocking off Texas. Well, Texas also has to come to Lawrence. So if they take care of the home cooking, I don't think they will fade as much Um, You know, and if both these teams, if these teams go eight and four, nine and three, that is such a huge breakthrough in a debut season for Sonny Dykes and just the second season there for Lance Leopold, especially for Kansas with how atrocious they were not that long ago. So yeah, are they contenders? No. Does that mean they're going to have a November fade? Maybe, but let's just enjoy the ride and let's get these two teams to bowl games.
0: All right, Coach. Let's stick in the Big 12 Red River Shootout uh, quickly. When was the last time this game felt like it mattered so little? Because it feels like it like, it's not it like wasn't even on my radar.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't remember a time where this game didn't matter um, for anyone outside of OU and Texas's fan base. Um, I know I'm not really all that jazzed up to watch it. But- no, that's
0: the thing. Like I I have like no I got nothing on this year. I got nothing on it.
2: I think yeah, I 98 remember. was the last time they were both unranked. Like, I, I mean, if, if,
1: if Oklahoma had beaten Kansas State and TCU and took care of business, yeah, maybe just to see if they were worthy of a playoff spot, but they've gotten wiped off the planet in, by two really fast quarterbacks the last two weeks. And Texas is, well, Texas. And they're, <laughs> despite Joe Testator's best efforts, they're not back. So um, it's just I don't know man like I can't think of any like is Quinn yours back I don't, I don't even know I haven't like I'm not interested in this game in the slightest and I guess that's the bad thing about both teams because they're about to enter the SEC and they're both hustling backwards
0: I didn't know this is where Joe Test would <laughs> be taking strays this week um, all right uh, that's pretty much it yeah. any other thing you guys really want to know before we move into spread formations
2: uh well I thought you were gonna ask me about the NC State game.
0: Man. Well go for it if you want if you want to talk about it. I mean quickly two teams who's coming gu- off, off, off disappointing losses. Yeah. Um oh wait hold on Aaron Judge is at bat in the eighth inning. It is uh we've got one on and two outs here at oh. Yankee Stadium. First pitch just a bit outside.
1: Just yeah. a bit outside. Try the corner and missed. Uh Josh ball four. Well,
0: Florida yeah, know. State, North Carolina State, two teams coming off of disappointing losses to, eight. you know, thought they might be ACC no. contenders. Now they've got a lot more work to do. Who do you think is going to bounce back better?
2: I think Florida State, deep down, wanted to be contenders, but I think they still knew they were a year or so off. They had some really close calls before losing. Um, NC State, the issue for them is just their offense has not lived up to their potential. Devin Leary, um, a lot of dink and dunk against Clemson. And so who's going to bounce back bigger, better? Who needs it more? I don't know. But NC State really, you know, they were top 10 team. They I really need this one to kind of salvage what was such a promising season just a few weeks ago. And then there was one last game real super quick over in our beloved American, you guys. <laughs> the Dana Holgerson uh, free fall might continue. They they travel to Memphis, and Memphis very quietly 4-1, and 2-0 and in the American.
0: I was looking at that for spread formations. I decided to not go with that because uh, I was interested in a different American game that we will get to hear I know.
2: I that American
0: game looks good too. In just a second. <laughs> well, speaking of which, it's time to get into spread formations. We pick games against the spread every week. Uh last week, gentlemen, Josh on the solid week for you, three and two. Coach and I are both two and three on the season. Josh, you and I are now tied in the lead at 19 and 12. Coach is coming in at 17 and 14. That means if you're taking all of our picks, you are in the black. My friends. All right. Uh next, uh this week we are starting out. Uh, Washington State is at USC. Uh, I want to talk about this just a little bit. It's I'm going first this week. Over under at 66. Uh, back to back underwhelming performances by USC. Josh, as you mentioned, um, Washington State. You know, a- another nice statistical game from uh cameron ward we haven't seen we we saw usc struggled uh against oregon state offensively uh i don't think when they're at home i think they do much better i think washington state can kind of go anywhere um but uh i and i think that cameron Ward's coming into his own so i'm going to take the over on the 66 here in this one josh what about you
2: yeah, so I uh, I was very curious about some Pac-12 after dark. I watched a lot of that USC-Arizona State game, and uh, 42-25 does not do that game justice. Um, the, the men of Troy really had some issues in it. Uh, Arizona State was able to pass the ball pretty well, 243 passing yards in that game. I'm taking the Cougars. They have shown that they can win with defense. They have shown that they can hold their own in shootouts like they did against Oregon coming up just short. I think they are more of a Swiss Army knife. If the game plan doesn't go according to plan, they can pull something else out. I'm picking them not just to cover, but I think there is a very real possibility they pull off an upset. And that's why I'm going to take them because I'm also getting 16 points as a result. 13. 13. Yeah, whatever. 13, 16, doesn't matter. Give me the points. Coach.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, I, I was thinking of picking USC. I was flip-flopping back between them and uh, Washington State and saying, okay, can USC win this thing? But th-? more than 13. But if I'm going to catch up in this whole thing, I'm going to go with my gut instinct. I'm going to pick USC to cover. They're right. going to win by 17 and Caleb Williams is going to have a really, really good day and they're going to have to hit the over to do it.
0: All right. Uh, next, Josh, your Iowa Hawkeyes uh, are at uh division leading co-division leaders, Illinois. I don't know if they are. I I, I don't know. In the big 10 West, it's such it's a, it's such a jumble right now. Who even knows <laughs> either way, Illinois is a three and a half point favorite at home against Iowa. The over under, is a massive thirty-five, uh, Josh. Uh, what or I guess I'm I get to go first. I should say I forgot it's that nice, I'm going yeah. first this week. My goodness. Um, well, uh, in this case, I think that Illinois is hung over from their game against Wisconsin. That meant everything to them. They are going to not be able to catch their breath. Um, I think. Iowa wins, Um, and so I will take Iowa plus the points, Josh.
2: So, Illinois, very strangely, has um, kind of crapped the bed against Iowa here as of late. Iowa has ripped off eight straight in this series. Uh, Close games, blowouts, you name it, bad weather games. Iowa just always somehow... Wins this one. I'm going to be in attendance. <laughs> I hope I don't lose in person. Having said that. <laughs> Illinois can actually move the ball and Iowa can't. So I'm going to do the prudent thing. <laughs> and even though the over under is 35. Oh,
0: you're taking the under baby. I am going, I really I'm going
2: to the take the under, because there's a very real possibility Iowa loses the game 17-0. I mean, that is a real possibility. So, I'm going to take the under. Coach. And hope like hell Iowa wins the game, because I will be there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm not going to be so prudent. I think Illinois is going to smack Iowa uh, the same way they smacked <laughs> Wisconsin. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Matt. No, but, no it's
0: um, fine. It's the truth. and it, The truth yeah. hurts sometimes. So you have to get smacked in the face by it in order to really wake up. So uh, let's go to that um, American conference game we mentioned earlier. East Carolina at Tulane. Uh, Tulane is a two and a half point favorite at home over under 53 and a half. In case you missed it, last week, uh, East Carolina quarterback uh, uh, Aylers uh, th- threw up over 400 and was it 480 something yards and six touchdowns, no picks, um, two lanes on a roll as well. Uh, I am going to, uh, take, uh, I'm going to take East Carolina on the road here, uh, to keep up with, uh, to keep up the, their high octane offense, Josh.
2: Ooh, I like
0: that. Um, I
2: am very curious about that over right now. It's kind of in the mid to low fifties. Uh ECU games tend to see a lot of points case yeah, in point. I was most really trying to take
0: the over as well.
2: Yeah. Most recently their, their South Florida game was 48, 28. So I am for sure taking the over, but I also want to double up in this game. I think that, Tulane is a very consistent team. I'm taking them to cover and get the home win and see some points in this game. Cause I'm going with the over. Okay. A little double up from this one. Coach. Hmm.
1: These are how is it? I was hit you with the, hmms. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to take the favorite here Tulane. lane. Um, I'm going to go. I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling about it. They're going to win. They're going to cover. It's just about a pick So,
0: all right. Floor, right? Uh, we've got Nebraska as a short road favorite at, in East Piscataway, New Jersey, at Rutgers, over under 49 and a half. Uh, I don't know how Nebraska can be favored against many teams. And I think Rutgers <laughs> has a little, has some fight in them, even if their quarterback play is been kind of god-awful um, with that being said God, I trust you. neither offense I'm going under 49 and a half Josh
2: yeah you're being very generous when you say that Rutgers uh, quarterback play has struggled as a team under 60 percent completion rate just 800 yards on the season six TDs five interceptions nine sacks here in the short going. Uh, They have a, uh, they have a Steve Spurrier issue on steroids. They have about three quarterbacks and they don't like any of them.
0: I mean, they Um, played all three of them in consecutive plays to start the season. So what do you expect?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, and and maybe I'm reading too much into beating a bad Indiana team by 14, but I'm reading some tea leaves. That is this team hated Scott Frost. (laughs) They were done listening to him. They couldn't stand him. The second he's gone, it's like a weight lifted off their shoulder. I think Nebraska wins this one. I think they win it by multiple scores. I've got them covering.
0: All right, coach.
1: I'm going I'm to go with you. I'm going to take the under here. I'm not touching the spread whatsoever. Yeah, um, I, feel. I think either one of these teams, it's going to be a pillow fight. So, are neither teams going to score many points, so I'm going to take the under.
0: All right. Well, finally, uh the biggest spread I think or one of the biggest spreads uh of the week is in the SEC West where Texas A&M is taking on Alabama. Alabama is a 24 and a half point favorite at home over under 51 and a half. I'm going first. Uh I don't think it really matters who's I mean Bryce Young is going to come back and play. I, this right coach he's not out
1: i think so but even if he wasn't
0: i I'm would not still sure pick alabama. alabama well yeah i'm taking alabama because nick saban is going to rub everything into jimbo fisher's face uh give me give me alabama by a million paul
2: alabama <laughs> Well, I've got a little. I got a little cushion on the season, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna risk putting two more bets on a game. They are gonna be very similar because it is taking Bama, and that over under is in the fifties.
0: Fifty one point five.
2: I think. Uh, I think Nick Saban will enjoy nothing more than dropping about half a hundred on Jimbo Fisher's face. <laughs> So I'm taking the over, and I'm taking Bama.
0: All right, Coach, bring us home. Bama. Bama.
2: (laughs) Just Bama.
0: There's no explanation needed. Say no more. Bama. Say no more. And uh, with that, that is going to uh, do it, I believe, for us here on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Unless I miss anything, John.
2: I mean we didn't we didn't mention the uh, dismissal of Carl Durrell ah! in any way. It's over finally. I, I was going to talk about code. it
0: but Colorado <laughs> doesn't even have a game this week so I'm like well I mean doesn't it, honestly it's the it's kind of the if a tree falls in a forest
2: we're we're down to two winless teams. Colorado and Colorado State. Yep.
0: Good thing for them. If Air you, Force you, is doing well. Otherwise, the state of Colorado would be down real even worse than it already is.
2: If you took an all-star team of the best players Colorado has and the best players Colorado State has, put them together, do they still lose to Mines?
0: To <laughs> Colorado, school, Colorado of mines? school of Mines? <laughs> I don't know, man. They're pretty good. I hear, I hear they're still running the veer. There we go. All right, well, uh, that is going to do it for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is Matt Perkins in Nashville staying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. First
1: time, long time, Paul. Roll time!